want you to grab your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 5. I wanted to share with you, with you this encouragement that I received. This is an older Peter, 20 years later, about 64, 65 A.D., and he is writing to the scattered church, the persecuted church, and he says this to them. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. The older I, older I get, the better I like that verse, by the way. And so Peter is saying, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time you may, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. Don't forget that. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Could you go back one slide, if you would, please? Some of you would like to have that today. You'd like to be restored. You'd like to be confirmed. You'd like to be strengthened. And you'd like to be established the way Holly said, like a tree planted by the waters. Some of you weren't even alive, but on September the 11th, 2001, something happened and the president of the United States was in a grade school working on literacy for grade schoolers, trying to promote that. On the right is a guy, a guy who's the president of the United States, George Bush, number 43. And uh, he was receiving news from the guy on the left, and his name was Andy Card. He was the chief of staff at the White House. And he bent over at this moment, and he knew he had to say something in front of a bunch of grade schoolers that was succinct, and it caught not only his attention, but gave the President of the United States a message that was clear and concise. And so he said these very measured words to him in front of these grade schoolers. He said, because the president already knew that a plane had hit the first tower. 
thinking that it was a horrible accident. And he kneeled down to him and he said, a second plane has hit the second tower, period. America is under attack. And then he pulled away. Having to say that, and he was right, because the third plane was at the Pentagon, and a fourth plane headed for the Capitol or the White House went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He was right. Peter is writing to a church that's being persecuted. Nero has burnt down Rome and then blamed it on the Christians, the Jewish people. Those Jewish Christians, those Jewish people, a culture that was ripe for anti-Semitic news. And so these Christians that Peter is writing to, an older Peter, a guy 20 years down the road, he writes this encouragement to them because they are highly persecuted believers in Jesus. Peter was under attack. The church was under attack. And it was scattered. I heard a pastor this past week say that he believes that the birthmark of every Christian is a bullseye because you're a target. The truth is we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where we see all kinds of trouble. And for you as a believer, there's every pressure that comes to bear. As so many of us are so blessed. We, the people in this room aren't worried about where your water's coming from today. You're not concerned about even your next meal. But within our culture, there is every kind of temptation and every pressure to live up to. And here's another thing. With all of us, in all of our blessings, there is also still bad news. And the truth is that Satan comes as a roaring lion. He's not even trying to hide it. Peter, when he describes it, he says, Satan, our enemy, comes as a roaring lion. It's not even like stalking. He portrays the devil as roaring. It's not even a sneak attack. Are we surprised? A lot of us are surprised when things don't go right and we don't get good news, but I don't understand why we're so surprised. I've become a little unshockable, to be quite honest with you, in my own life. I am aware that the roaring, I am hearing it. When I was a kindergartner, I went out to play uh, on my block, and I uh, was over at Tony Holland's house, and we were going to go down, and Butch Wallen let his Dalmatian dog out, and that dog attacked me. I was just standing there, knocked me over, and bit my ear. I went like this, and the dog clamped down on my ear. And I was bleeding like crazy. So I'm getting up. I mean, I'm freaking out and everything. So I'm running back to my house like this, as if I was going to hold the blood and then say, here, could you? I was like this all the way back. Uh, 
And from that time on, I was scared to death of dogs. So like I lived in Canova, West Virginia. So it's a little bit like downtown Columbia City, but not exactly. Anyway, it's kind of like that. I lived on Pine Street. It was pine, chestnut, poplar, oak, walnut. Yeah, I'll get the picture. It's a little bit like it, okay? And, and like I had to walk three or four blocks to the grade school, which is what I did, and then three or four blocks to the high school. That's what we did. I'm actually embarrassed to this day of how many yards I cut through. Now that I'm a property owner, I'm like, wow, I just kind of helped myself, didn't I? It was like a cow path through everybody's yard. I just followed it all the way up there. Seriously. I, I, <laughs> and uh, when I would walk, I also lived about a mile. And, and when I walked to school, I always avoided dogs. I was scared to death of dogs. And, uh, and then whenever I would walk to the pool, which the pool was down by Kentucky, down by the Big Sandy River, right there at Kentucky, where you crossed over in Kentucky, and, and I would walk there. It was one mile. So like when I was running to get in shape, I wanted to run a couple miles down the pool and back. So uh, when I walked, but I walked like a, probably 1.6 miles all the way down there because I would, there would be dogs all along. In Canova, there wasn't a lot of animal control, all right? Especially when I was growing up. And I was scared to death of dogs, so I would walk over to Poplar Street and then on over to Oak, and then I would cut down and around because I was scared to death of dogs. If I heard a dog bark, I would walk the other way for two or three blocks in order to avoid that dog going down. Peter is saying, by the way, I can't imagine what I would do with a lion. Like if you put a lion in front of me, I'd have been like, well, yeah, that's like a, you know, 50 pound dog. But I mean, a, a, a lion that weighed several hundred pounds, I can't imagine the damage that thing would do. And Peter says that Satan comes and he's roaring like a lion. Because here's the thing. We are under attack we live in a fallen world. And for many of you here, Satan wants to come and you have a target on you and he is roaring. He wants you. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's after your life. He's after your family. He, he wants to divide you and your spouse. He wants you He's after your marriage. He's roaring around. He, he's after your kids. He's after you in your life. He wants to take your future away from you. Some of you are so young, you, you dream of a future, and it's being taken away by all the pressures that come to bear. And in your mind, he is after that, and he wants to steal it before you even have it. Satan comes with pressure. There's a pressure that comes to bear and it causes anxiety. And in our country specifically, we have a coping problem. We have coping issues because of what we do to cope. We are reaching for drugs. We're reaching to numb out with some alcohol, catch a quick buzz to forget what's going on. We eat too much to forget my problems. We do all kinds of stuff to cope with our anxiety because the world, there is all this roaring going on around us. He's roaring. It's not a sneak attack. And so Peter says, now I, for me, I would have been like, if I'd been Peter, I'm the older guy, I would have been like, flee. Like you walk around it. 
And so what Peter says, he says to resist, he says to resist the devil. You see, most of you with the pressure and the situation in your life, the devil wants you to sit around and go, I'm the only one that's got this problem in this high school. He wants to isolate you. Yeah, I'm the only one that struggles with this. Yeah, I'm the one. And you think the devil has a way of making you feel like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the loser. I'm, I'm, the pers- I'm the only person that's dealing with this. And he wants to isolate you. They pick, he wants to pick off. He wants to separate you from others and he wants to pick you off. But Peter says to resist. And he says this right here. Come under the mighty hand of God. Now that would not be lost on a Jewish audience that Peter is writing to. The Jewish Christians would know immediately. They heard that phrase, mighty hand of God. Oh yeah, book of Exodus. What led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt? It was the mighty hand of God who had done the miracles, who had pushed back dry land. God had established their nation. What does it mean to to trust in the mighty hand of God? And this is what Peter had experienced. What is it? You might be like, well, John, that's that's nice. What does that mean to trust in the mighty hand of God? I just want to real quickly, the mighty hand of God for Peter was that God has a plan. I want you to hear that today. God has a plan for your life. And he says, come under the mighty hand of God. Now, Peter knew what he, God's plan. Peter knew it. Peter, in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, Peter, the brash one, the bold young guy, strong and brash, is out and he's fishing. And they, he doesn't catch anything. He comes back in. He, they're cleaning their nets. Jesus comes and he teaches amongst them. He gives a Sunday school lesson there. Probably incredible words, teaching they'd never heard. And at the end of that teaching, he says to them, now go back out. Go back out and cast your nets again. And Peter, and I'm sure they looked at each other like, what's this guy? We're washing of the nets. We just cleaned the nets. What's, what's he doing? But they do, okay, that's what you want us to do. They go out and they catch so many that they can't even hardly hold it. When Peter comes in, what does Peter do? Peter, the brash, strong guy, falls at Jesus' feet and is humbled by the mighty hand of God that he had just seen. And he's like, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinner. And then he says, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And so they follow him. All of that that he experienced, Jesus, he denies the Lord. Jesus is nailed to a cross. He is raised to life. And on what I believe it is his third appearance to the disciples, they're out fishing. They've gone back to what they used to do. They've gone back to what they used to do. And they're fishing. And he says to them, they haven't, they're not catching anything. He says, hey, this is John 21, by the way. He says, hey, cast it on the other side. Quit, do, don't, quit doing it. I know it makes sense to go over here, but ca- cast it over there. And they cast it and they catch and their nets are so full. And Peter and the disciples realizing, hey, I've only seen this once in my life. 
They look, they freak out. They say, it's the Lord. Peter puts his garment on, jumps into the, swims the shore. I mean, Peter had seen the Lord and knew that God, of God's plan. He had seen the mighty hand of God. I wanna encourage you today. Some of you just keep casting and casting and casting and doing it your way, your way, your way. You keep doing it and I wanna encourage you. Do it God's way. See, pressures and the things that happen in our life that add up to anxiety and worry. Cast your net the other way, Peter. And Jesus is saying to you today, cast it over there. And then there's a second thing that Peter had learned, this older Peter talking to younger, 20 years later, Peter, the brash one, he's writing to the believers and he's saying that the Lord, hiding yourself under the mighty hand of God, that God will also provide for you in every way. That, see, Peter knew this. See, Peter knew he had seen the mighty hand of God in his hand. He had seen what Jesus had done and he had heard about it. He knew about it. He had also seen it. Anything that you put in the hand of God, he can provide a way. Moses, what is it that in your hand? Throw it down. You ever seen a Lunchable turn into a Golden Corral buffet? You ever seen that? You ever seen that before? Peter had seen that. That's why a persecuted church, people that are, are being hunted down like dogs, he's saying, put yourself under the mighty hand of God. I have seen God provide in so many ways where he took just a few loaves and fish and multiplied and fed 5,000 people, God will provide. When you put yourself under the mighty hand of God, God will show you his way in a fallen world. He will also provide for you and he will also protect you under his mighty hand in a dangerous world. He will protect you. Do you remember Going back to Matthew chapter 14, specifically in verses 30 and 31, Jesus is coming after John the Baptist has been killed and Jesus is retreating and they're going across the lake and Jesus joins them and he's walking on the water and he comes along the water and Peter's like, can I do that? He gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus and whenever he Gets close, he gets closer, he notices the wind. He's like, whoa, wind's blowing. Look at the waves. And he starts sinking. And he says three words to Jesus. Lord, save me. Three words. In fact, for many of you, for some of you here, those are the three most important words that I could give you today. That's the whole sermon. Those are great words. Lord, he was right saying that, to call him the Lord. He got that right. He was looking to the Lord. And then he said, save. Lord, this is what I need. I'm going to drown here. And then he said a very important word, 
me. Because see, it's one thing for us to come all in here and sing Kumbaya, we all agree, we all like it, the Lord is good. But it's another thing when it's personal. Lord, save me. And Peter, an older Peter, is speaking to them and he's telling them, Lord, save me. Don't forget this. Students, listen to me. Peter was close enough for the Lord just to grab him. Jesus, he was close enough to Jesus to get grabbed. Stay close to Jesus. Don't wander away. He's the master. And you know, many years ago, I have a friend who's a psychiatrist and who's a physician. He happens to also be a psychiatrist. I was going through a really difficult time. And I put 1 Peter 5, 7 on my desktop and with a couple other passages. But I specifically remember this because my kids watched the donut man growing up. Anybody know about the donut man? Three of you, thank you so much for affirming the donut man. Anyway, uh, the Donut Man was a little kid's Christian program, and there was a little song called Cast Your Burdens on Jesus, for He Cares for You. I won't sing it. My 16-year-old son's here. He's liable to come after me. And I always kept that on my verse. Cast your burdens on Jesus, for He cares for you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I got to have that. Sometimes I feel pressure. Even today, me talking to you today is about some of what I've walked through personally. Where even as a pastor, I think to myself, I think I'm getting too old for this. Uh, you know what? I, sometimes I don't think I'm smart enough to do this. I, you know, I don't have it together. I wish I was, I wish I had, uh, I wish I was funnier. Or I wish I was smarter. You know, I just, I, you know, I don't think people really care. People are getting tired of me. See, the devil has a way of working on you. And then some of you here are maybe walking through discouragement, maybe from a tragedy in your life. Maybe it is from loss in your life. Maybe it is bad news in your life. And the devil has a way of making you feel like you just, you need to get rid of that. And so I always read this like, cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares for you. Cast your cares cause he cares. You know, I like that. Okay, so you just cast your cares. Y'all missed that, didn't you? Y'all missed that with that little word, didn't you? Cast. You get that? What Peter's saying? Did you get that? You didn't lose that on Peter, did you? Peter, Peter says, hey, do it this way. Cast your cares on Jesus. And that's what I always kind of saw it as. But listen, it starts back in verse six. Don't miss this. Verse six says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Do you want to be lifted up? Do you want to rise up out of what you're walking through? Humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I always miss that. 
I always missed it. I always read it. I always thought of it as cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares for you. You know what you can do? You can keep casting the same way without humbling yourself before the Lord. I can cast my cares on. I can keep casting and casting and keep casting without humbling, with all the pride in the world. I've got a reputation to protect. I don't want people to know. You can keep casting your burdens with pride. But here is what I want to encourage you in this morning. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Casting is not the command. I always read it. That's what I put on my desk. Cast your burdens on Jesus. I thought casting was the point. No, that's not what it was. The point was humble yourself. Casting is not the root. Casting is the fruit of humbling yourself. Casting your burdens on Jesus is an activity that's done as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So there's all of us here deal with anxious thoughts. I almost, and Sherry knows this probably better than I do, and she has really challenged me with this through our 30 year, 30 plus years of marriage. And that is that, you know, sometimes we would, I'd wear it like a badge. I'd, I'm a real war, you're a real worry wart. We used to say that where we grow up. You're a war worry wart. And I'd say, man, I'm really worried about Sunday. I don't know if I did that. And Sherry would go, Johnny, you're not supposed to worry. Like literally Jesus, his words, do not worry. I mean, it's like in the Sermon on the Mount, like that's a direct command, but yet you keep saying, you're worried, you're worried. I was always like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm a worry wart. In fact, I used to say things like, you know, I worry enough for all of us. Don't worry, kids, it'll be a great trip. <laughs> Don't worry, I worry enough for all of us. Y'all just relax and have a good time. Ooh. See, casting your burdens is not at the root of this. And some of you, you think casting is at the root. It's not, your pride is at the root. At the root, when pressures come, when bad news and when things happen in our life, casting is the result. Anxiety is the fruit of the attack. Pride is at the root of the problem. All these decades later, Peter says, listen to me, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know what Peter is saying? And he's saying that Jesus is calling us and saying, do it my way. Do it my way. Under attack. How are you going to get through this? How are you going to get through life? That's what my thing, you know, 10 years, I don't know. And maybe my time's up. I have doubts. You know what, maybe, I don't, I don't think I got it. I don't think. I don't think people like me. I have all kinds of thoughts. That's my pride. That's my pride. In fact, Mother Teresa has this quote, and I pray you'll continue to listen in the spirit as I read this to you. This is an old quote that Sherry shared with me from Mother Teresa, and it reads like, it's, it's not a poem, it's just a quote. It's not a prayer or anything like that. But Mother Teresa wrote these words, do not allow yourselves to be disheartened by any failure as long as you've done your best. 
neither glory in your success, but refer all things to God in deepest thankfulness. If you are discouraged, it is a sign of pride because it shows you trust in your own powers. Never bother about other people's opinions. Be humble and you will never be disturbed. The Lord has willed me where I am. He will offer a solution. I thought about talking to you today about some of us here just need to quit today. We need to quit right now trying to please everyone. We need to quit fearing change. We need to quit living in the past. We need to quit putting ourselves down almost in a prideful way. Quit overthinking. And today I pray that the message that I give to you, and I want you to pray that the worship team is gonna come right now. I want us to do some business with God. How often do we come to church and we talk about God, but we never talk really to God? And there are some of you here that need to do some business with God right now. Don't let this moment go by. I want you to bow your head today. Whatever it is, that pressure that's coming towards you or whatever it is that you're living under, listen to what Peter says. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Casting all your burdens on Jesus because he cares for you. So today, Jesus wants to, for you to live a life, even in a fallen world, where you're assured of his walking with you. So today I'm asking you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you need to pray with somebody, there's something going on in your life and you need somebody to pray for you. I wanna invite you to come over to this side of the stage. There'll be folks over here to pray with you. If you wanna come and you wanna kneel, there's kneeling over here, you can be by yourself. Can we stand and sing this and make this our prayer? And if you just need to sit down even, I don't, whatever you need to do with God right now, say, Lord, I'm coming before you, I humble myself all of these things that are happening in my life, Lord. I wanna cast them onto you. Don't let your pride today hold you back. Father, I pray that you would, I pray against the schemes of the evil one to keep us from the things of God for what's best. Father, I pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to humble ourselves in your care that we would cast all of our cares on you. 